This program is presented by Birch Gold Group, the precious metal IRA specialists. Good morning. In today's headlines, an attack on two power substations leaves tens of thousands of people without power in North Carolina. The attack was described as a new level of threat. Georgia's race for U.S. Senate nears the finish line. The runoff election is today. More on what candidates had to say in their final appeals to voters. Arizona Governor-elect Katie Hobbs is in the spotlight again. According to leaked emails, she reportedly had election-related tweets removed last year. The U.S. Supreme Court hears a case involving free speech and same-sex marriage. Find out what justices signaled after two hours of arguments. Protests against China's COVID policies continue on campus. Students in Nanjing chant slogans demanding to be allowed to go home. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. Good morning. I'm Evelyn Lee. Today is Tuesday, December 6th. And we're looking to a county in North Carolina first. There, tens of thousands brace for days without electricity. Authorities say one or more people shot up two power substations. And apparently the, the individuals responsible knew exactly what they were doing. Utility workers investigating the outages found gates broken and gunfire damage to those substations. The attack took place in Moore County, 60 miles southwest of the North Carolina capital of Raleigh. 45,000 homes were left without power in a county of 100,000. The energy provider Duke Energy has returned power to more than 9,000 homes. However, the company said the repair is extensive and power will be returned to most customers on Wednesday or Thursday. The FBI and U.S. Department of Energy will investigate the shootings and with local and state law enforcement. So far, there have been no arrests and no clear motive. And over in Georgia, the U.S. Senate runoff election is today. Candidates made their last pitches on voters on Monday, two voters on Monday, I should say. The outcome of the close race will determine if Democrats can add to their thin majority in the chamber. And today's Jeremy Sandberg has more on today's contest. The contest between incumbent Senator Raphael Warnock and Herschel Walker in the battleground state of Georgia has been the most expensive race in this year's cycle. Campaign finance data shows total spending was close to $400 million. Warnock says he's confident of a win, but isn't celebrating yet. I wanted to run off before. And um, I'm not about to spike the football before I get into the end zone. The pro-abortion pastor likened Democrats' progressive push to the contractions of a new birth. You have to suffer through the contractions knowing that if you keep on pushing, change is always possible. And I don't know about you in this defining moment in America, I'm ready to keep on pushing. Recent polling shows Warnock with a slight lead within the margin of error over his Trump-endorsed challenger. The former president called into Walker's Monday rally to show his support. A vote for Raphael Warnock is a vote to give Chuck Schumer and the unhinged far-left Democrats total control of the United States Senate. We can't let this happen. Walker used a football analogy to galvanize his base. If we flood the, flood the zone by eight or nine, we'll know who won this contest. Election officials have reported heavy turnout ahead of the runoff. Political experts expect the early vote leaned Democrat. 
Republicans tend to vote in bigger numbers on election day. Vote, 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 flood the polls. Georgia's Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger says a strong turnout is expected on election day and that he's worked hard to ensure everything runs smoothly. We've actually already had 80,000 people that voted in this runoff that didn't vote in the fall at all. So that's what you're really seeing is people that were kind of sitting up, sitting back and watching things are getting engaged in this race. So we think both sides are energized. He says the results will be audited and verified. A Warnock victory could give Democrats an outright majority of 51 seats in the upper chamber and a measure of sway over committees and judicial appointments. A win for Walker would boost Republicans' chances of blocking President Biden's agenda. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Internal email documents from Twitter show that Arizona Secretary of State Katie Hobbs allegedly collaborated with Twitter officials last year. This by flagging accounts for so-called election misinformation. NTD's Daniel Monahan has the story. The revelation comes as Elon Musk and journalist Matt Taibbi late last week demonstrated how the company previously censored conservatives at the urging of the Democrat Party. Carrie Lake commented on Tucker Carlson. This thing is going to go so deep that I think people are going to be shocked when they learn the full extent. According to an email on January 7, 2021, the communications director for Hobbs's Secretary of State office emailed the Center for Internet Security, or CIS. It read that they are flagging an unidentified Twitter profile for review under the subject line titled Election-Related Misinformation. A CIS representative later forwarded the message to a Twitter employee saying, please see this report below from the Arizona Secretary of State's office. Please let me know if you have any questions. The Twitter employee replied saying, thank you, both tweets have been removed from the service. Meanwhile, Arizona Secretary of State Katie Hobbs, Governor Doug Ducey and other officials on Monday certified the state's vote canvas. This officially declares Hobbs, a Democrat, the winner in the race for governor. And I just want to once again thank the voters of Arizona. Because of your participation, our democratic institutions thrived. Uh, stay engaged and keep voting. Election officials acknowledged there were mishaps in the November election, but said no one was disenfranchised. Hobbs, meanwhile, said, quote, Arizona had a successful election. Republican candidates, including Carrie Lake, who ran for governor, and Abe Hamaday, who ran for attorney general, have said they will sue. They had to wait for the certification before they could formally challenge the results in court. And state law says they have five days to do so. Here's Lake speaking on The War Room with Steve Bannon on Monday morning. We're ready to go with what we believe to be an exceptional lawsuit. And we believe we will be victorious in that lawsuit. And we'll take it all the way to the Supreme Court if we have to. We will not stop fighting because the people of Arizona were disenfranchised. The candidates say machines malfunctioning in Maricopa County on Election Day led to voters being disenfranchised. Lake, who has yet to concede to her opponent, called the email leaks a conflict of interest, coercion, corruption. The office of Katie Hobbs responded to the allegations. They say the email exchange was taken entirely out of context, adding it has nothing to do with this year's midterm election. The notice read that, quote, it's the Secretary of State's job to make sure that voters are informed about how to vote and how our election system works. One of the ways we do that is by working to counter disinformation online that can confuse voters. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. 
In a viral post on Twitter, Kyle Rittenhouse reacted yesterday to the release of the Twitter files by Elon Musk and journalist Matt Taibbi. He wrote that learning about the Twitter files is making him more and more curious. He said he would like to find out if there was hidden censorship regarding his case. Rittenhouse discussed the matter on Fox News. The message I get from it is that they're saying you can go out and riot and attack anybody and you will have the support from the media and the politicians to do whatever you want and kill innocent people. Rittenhouse was acquitted last year on murder charges during rioting in Wisconsin. After claiming self-defense, he was found not guilty on all charges in a trial where many said he received strongly negative coverage from the media. He was labeled a white supremacist and many organizations falsely claimed that he illegally transported the rifle he used in the deadly shootings across state lines. The U.S. Supreme Court heard arguments in a case involving freedom of speech on Monday. The plaintiff doesn't want to be forced to express messages not aligned with her faith. The court's conservative majority has signaled their support, while liberal justices questioned the broader implications. Entity's Jeremy Sandberg has more on the clash of beliefs. Denver area business owner Lori Smith claims freedom of speech exempts artists from anti-discrimination laws. Her business refuses to provide services for same-sex marriages. The Christian web designer preemptively sued Colorado's Civil Rights Commission and other state officials in 2016, fearing she would be punished. Colorado law bars discrimination based on sexual orientation. Lower courts ruled in favor of Colorado. Smith then appealed for an exemption. Demonstrators from both sides gathered outside the courthouse. Speakers emphasized the importance of free speech, while counter-demonstrators did their best to drown them out with noise. Smith says she bases her decision to create on the message, not on the person, and says her stance protects those on both sides of the argument. I want the LGBT graphic designer to be protected to promote causes they're passionate about. I want the Democratic speechwriter to be free to decline authoring a speech promoting the Republicans' party platform. Smith's attorney made a similar point in her speech. Make no mistake, if the government has the power to compel Lori Smith's speech, if it can eliminate her views from the public dialogue, as the Tenth Circuit below found was the law's purpose, it has the power to do that to any one of us. But the government shouldn't have the power to decide what ideas are worthy to express. The court's conservative majority signaled sympathy for Smith after two hours of arguments. Liberal justices suggested an exemption could open the door to broader refusals by businesses to serve black customers, Jewish or Islamic people, and interracial couples, among others. The court has never recognized an exception, and to do so would threaten the core of our civil rights laws. A ruling is expected in the coming spring or summer. The U.S. Supreme Court has a 6-3 to three conservative majority. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Attorney Michael Avenatti was sentenced to 14 years in prison after admitting to cheating four clients, including a paraplegic, out of millions of dollars. Avenatti surged to fame representing an adult film actress who claimed former President Donald Trump paid her hush money following an alleged affair, which Trump denies. Avenatti was already serving a five-year prison sentence on two unrelated convictions. The U.S. District Judge in California also ordered him to pay nearly $11 million in restitution to the former clients and the IRS. The imprisoned lawyer once publicly hinted at a run for the presidency when he represented adult film actress Stormy Daniels. 
but the celebrity lawyer soon found himself on trial. Avenatti was convicted in 2020 for trying to extort up to $25 million from Nike and in February for embezzling nearly $300,000 in book proceeds from Daniels. Now we want to pause for a moment with a message from our sponsor, Birch Gold Group. Birch Gold asks, will the lack of a red wave during the midterms lead to more wasteful government spending and higher taxes? How will you protect your hard-earned savings? They have the answer, gold. It's the world's oldest, most proven form of currency, and they're thrilled to introduce a new product that reimagines gold as currency, the gold back. And goldbacks are self-backing real gold notes that combine the utility of banknotes, paper money, and the value of gold coins. It contains a thin layer of 24 karat gold. This month, you'll get a free gold back for every $5,000 purchased when you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a precious metals IRA with Birch Gold by December 22nd. Sounds like a great stocking stuffer just in time for Christmas. Text NTD to 989898 to claim your free info kit on gold and talk to one of their precious metal specialists. And just ahead, the Chinese Communist regime is signaling a reduction of COVID restrictions to the outside world. However, videos from inside China tell a different story. A YouTuber from Taiwan shows examples YouTube's filtering mechanism. We take, you at, we take a look at what he finds out after the break. Welcome back. I'm Evelyn Lee. As frustration continues to mount against China's strict COVID policy, scores of university students in Nanjing gather to protest. Videos released today show large crowds of Nanjing Tech University students on campus. They were chanting slogans and demanding to be allowed to go home. The students can be seen arguing with university representatives and shouting for school leaders to step down. Other videos show a police car arriving on the scene and university officials promising students they would compile their complaints in a file. AFP reported that the protest comes a day after the school announced it would seal off campus for five days because of one COVID-19 case. Universities in China have restricted movements for months because of the COVID lockdown. Many require students to apply for permission to leave campus and ban visitors. And in mainland China, the communist regime is signaling a reopening to the rest of the world. With a tiny fraction of flights running in and out of Beijing, the city just announced that two of its airports have dropped the need for departing passengers to show a negative COVID test for the flight. Only body temperature and health codes will be mandated. But from the inside, video evidence suggests the control of people might be becoming even tighter. A video showing local police hitting a grandmother in front of a child went viral over the weekend. She refused to take a COVID test. NTD cannot verify the date of the video, but the Chinese regime using force on citizens is not a rare occurrence. Another video posted December 2nd shows health workers in white suits breaking into a woman's hotel room to forcibly take her to a quarantine camp. While the woman screamed that she wasn't dressed appropriately and needed to change, the men ignored her request and entered her room. Some Chinese residents cannot help but try to protect themselves using any means. In this video, workers in white suits tried to take a young man away. 
They did not show any documentation. He brandishes a knife to protect himself. The woman says, if you show us proof, then we will leave with you. While the Chinese regime shows some cities opening up and testing booths being taken away, the reality is residents still need to show a negative test to go about. The Communist Party uses a health code to control the population in China. In many areas, if your health code is not green, you are not allowed to go outside the house or enter places like supermarkets or even your own building or district. In one video, a man shows how easy it is to be controlled with a QR health code by sticking his phone outside the window. Similar situations are happening in Guangzhou where people trying to leave the city had their health codes turn yellow or red. Outwardly, the communist regime is signaling a relaxation of restrictions. However, it continues to tighten its grip on the Chinese people. NTD News. And at the same time, YouTube appears to be moderating content related to the recent anti-lockdown protests in China. A YouTuber says he ran a test to see which words will get him demonetized. In a video posted last week, Taiwanese YouTuber Ba Zhong, who has over 600,000 followers, tested YouTube's demonetization rules. He made a video talking about the anti-lockdown protest that took place in various Chinese cities in late November and tried uploading it using different titles. Let's change the title first. This one is safe. It turned green. I will try with a different title. The trial shows that titles which refer to the protests in certain ways will get demonetized. That means the content creator is unable to get revenue generated from the ads shown during the video. Being demonetized also means the video will be shown to fewer users. Being demonetized will restrict how many people can see this video then there wouldn't be any point for me to make this video. I just hope people can see it. The YouTuber says he tried words like Emperor Xi, which refers to the Chinese regime leader Xi Jinping, and the video got demonetized. He replaced the word with just emperor, and it came out fine. The problem appears to be with the term Emperor Xi. Let's change it to emperor. We don't want an emperor. Would it be okay? Yes, emperor works, but it cannot go with Xi. His trial also found that words like white paper movement and various provinces appears to trigger demonetization. The protests in China are also known as the white paper movement because many protesters were holding a blank sheet of white paper. The white paper movement takes place in various provinces. It doesn't work. The problem is with various provinces. Various provinces is not allowed. The YouTuber criticized the platform for allegedly moderating contents related to the Chinese regime. His video has generated over 400,000 views in two days. If this is a Chinese platform, it would make sense, but this is an American company. YouTube, what are you doing? Don't be kidnapped by the ad providers. YouTube needs to stand up. NTD reached out to YouTube for comment, but didn't hear back before broadcast time. Reporting by Allison Lee, NTD News. I heard that Chinese people cannot access YouTube or Facebook from China because it's blocked by a firewall. Why would YouTube bother to filter the keywords? That's right. Those YouTubers actually called on YouTube to not to uh, not to bow to Chinese advertisers, which make up a large portion of the, their Asian market. And some viewers suggested that YouTubers can publish their videos across many different platforms, saying it is a free market. 
And coming up, a South American soccer titan makes it through the World Cup quarterfinals. And a woman with world record size feet shares her struggles and inspiring live journey. That and more on NTD Good Morning. Welcome back. Let's move on to some sports news. Brazil moves on to the quarterfinals of the FIFA Soccer World Cup. The South American powerhouse shredded South Korea in the round of 16. Here's NTD's Flinders Kingsley with the story. Brazil's 4-1 victory was looming from the first half after they put away four goals before the break. It was a performance that inspired confidence in their fans. Now all I can think is that we're going to win it. We're going to win and win and win. The final, all the way to the final. It doesn't matter who we have to face. A late goal from the South Korean substitute, Park Song-ho, did little to change the result, but did a lot for the morale of the fans. Yeah, I mean, that was really made the trip worth it, you know. Uh, we're behind 4-0, but at least one goal, and it was an amazing goal. Despite their loss, South Korean fans still celebrated their team, praising their captain Song Hyung-min, who played with a mask after an injury earlier this month. Even though Son Hyung-min could not score a goal this time, I think he sacrificed a lot as the eldest brother on the team. Even after suffering a facial fracture, I really want to cheer for him and encourage him. Brazilian fans also expressed feelings of gratitude towards their nation's captain. Yeah, Neymar is the head. He's our leader. It's going to work out. This year is his year. For everything he went through, he deserves to be world champion. We deserve to be six-time champions with him. It's going to happen. Goiás, viva Brazil! Viva Brazil! South Korea's best World Cup performance was in 2002, where they placed fourth. This time, the Asian nation was overpowered by the five-time world champions and South American heavyweight. My team, our goal was just go to the next round. So we achieved our goal, so this is like a bonus game, you know. Brazil will play Croatia in the quarterfinals on December 9th. Flinders Kingsley, NTD News. A Texas woman finds out from a social media comment that she broke the record for the world's largest feat on a living female. She shares with NTD her struggles and inspiring life journey growing up as a tall woman. The only hard thing about growing up was really just trying to be the girly girl that I am. For Tanya Herbert from Houston, Texas, finding feminine clothes and shoes in her size has always been difficult. So having large feet and being a taller woman, I always had to wear men's shoes, I always had to wear men's clothing. Herbert has won many hearts on social media by sharing her life experiences online, including making her own shoes. Little did she know her 18 shoe size turned out to be a blessing in disguise. I had a TikTok that somebody told me that I had the largest feet in the world and I should apply for the record. And so Weeks later, Guinness World Records told Herbert she had the world's largest feet on a woman. And at six foot nine, she's only three inches shorter than the tallest female alive. Um, my parents instilled in me very healthy self-esteem. They helped me embrace being a tall girl. Though many companies and social media followers have been sending Herbert customized shoes, she's still making her own with a touch of personality. 
but I ended up having, I ended up buying men's shoes and then I would um, manipulate them, like bedazzle them, paint them, add jewels and different things and make them look more feminine. Even with her world record, Herbert says her best life journey was actually her weight loss experience. She went through a gastric sleeve surgery as well as strict changes in diet and exercise. My mother passed in, t in April of 2021 and I realized I had to get healthy. I was 552 pounds and the most unhealthiest I've ever been in my life. After a year of hard work, Herbert has successfully lost 180 pounds. With a focus on positive physical and mental health, she encourages everyone to love themselves the way they are because... God created us each individually. He created us unique. He didn't make any mistakes when he created us. And when you are created in a unique way, there are things to be happy about and be know that you are the only one like you. Herbert is currently working for the Reflections of Christ's Kingdom Church. She says she will work with footwear companies to advocate for more diverse options in women's shoes. NTD News, Texas. Love those shows. And a race in Germany offered quite a view this weekend. It had one very specific condition. To qualify, participants had to show up dressed as Santa. Admittedly, the race is of little importance in terms of athletic performance, but it brought great joy to all the participating Santas. Some 900 people took part in the run, and it seems the Santa costumes convinced some to come all the way from out of town. I have to say, the atmosphere here is just great. <laughs> it's a fun run because everyone is dressed up. Lots of red runners around you. It just looks beautiful. If you're lucky, the friendly residents here will hand you a cup of mulled wine halfway to the finish line, and you just have a good time. This is the 14th time the city organized the Santa Rays and the first time since the pandemic. It has become a tradition in Michendorf every year on the second advent. What a view indeed, a sea of Santas running down the street. Yeah, and there are a lot of Mrs. Clauses in there. You know, and Evelyn, how do you say Santa Claus in German? Okay, brace yourself, Weihnachtsmann. Whoa. <laughs> I see you wore your red today, too. Did you plan that? Oh, you know, uh, no, that's actually coincidence. As much as I would love to say I planned it. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, according to History.com, the legend of Santa Claus traces back to a monk named St. Nicholas who was born in what is now modern-day Turkey. Ah, good to know, hence the name. <laughs> All right, we're ending it here, though. We would love to hear from you. Write us at goodmorning at ntd.com. Thanks for watching. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Kevin Hogan. Thank you.